Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Bleak Haven. I am your host, The Birdman. Today with us, we have returning guests, Stanley K. Boswick, Cassie Boswick. The wife. We have Alex. Welcome one and all. I, th- I think we're, we've all came here today to talk about some more Daniel Blake. Yeah. yeah this My is... favorite thing. So why is it your favorite thing? Because it is. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't have an answer. <laughs> that really sums it it's, up. It's like literally it. my favorite thing. I'm just not as articulate as Stanley is. <laughs> I think the best way to start talking about Daniel Blake is how it was conceived. Well, uh, Alex was really the trigger for the concept. We kind of all developed the the idea of, of Daniel Blake together. Um, Alex kind of came up with the concept of having a sort of a 1920s Ghostbusters story. So nice. I'll let I'll let him talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, so I've just always really liked sort of that interwar period where it was just all the mob and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it always seems fun to throw in some ghosts and it's such a less connected time so there could just be this weird stuff out there whereas nowadays everybody just have a picture of it on their smartphone sure uh, with a red circle yeah with a red circle and an arrow <laughs> pointing at it saying proof <laughs> <laughs> but uh, back in the day they just had to print about it in a tabloid and, and another big inspiration for it I think was like Lovecraftian horror yeah, yeah. most of Lovecraft stories takes place around that time period as well the early 19 teens and in early 20s yeah. sort of time yeah. period. Yeah, and then uh, from that, also just his, I don't know if style's quite the right word, but sort of the way he writes. You know, the monsters aren't out for revenge against you, right? They've got their own plans, and you just, you're just you just kind of there. Like, you're the furniture. And you, and you <laughs> like, stumble in the way. Yeah, and you're yeah. just, 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 just kind of like... You're Scooby-Doing it. Yeah, basically. yeah. You're like, like the animals that are yeah, they're like, in oh, the like, forest. There's, there's a chair rolling across the road. Uh, okay, I guess that's a problem, but not too big of a problem. It's just a <laughs> I chair. I guess I'll eat it. Extra yeah, exactly. fiber. <laughs> exactly. I guess I'll just give it this weird-looking book with, like, a bunch of mind-breaking secrets for chairs. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I think that is the the big distinction between Lovecraft horror and what we usually write here at Bleak Haven because um, Lovecraftian horror is very hinged upon you know the hopelessness of everything like yeah. nothing matters because there's greater grander beings doing these things and humans are aren't even a, a thought to them and the, and everything is so crushingly inevitable no matter like you're so useless as a human but in bleak haven there's always the underlay of hope and power that humans have i guess yeah yeah so i think there's a big distinction there but i I have always enjoyed lovecraftian horror and that sort of feel well and, and i think that's a good way to put a more uh optimistic spin i suppose on on lovecraft is to let there be some human agency and yeah. I think that's what's always, to me, was missing in Lovecraftian horror was yeah. that human agency. And there's other things about Lovecraftian horror. I'm like, I understand in the 1920s that stuff like that could make people go insane, but I'm thinking about today and all yeah. the weird stuff we consume in media. And like, yeah. would we actually go insane from <laughs> something dumb like that? It's like, oh, it's just a giant monster. <laughs> if you think about anything too long, yeah. you'll go insane, I feel like. <laughs> 
So, uh, Griff, how do you feel about Daniel Blake? Well, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we just broke through the ether. I'm now Griff Garrison. <laughs> no, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. At first, it was more about the monster stories for me, but now that we've gotten this far into it, it's really just about Daniel. I like how Daniel's story is progressing and how you're learning more about Daniel. I still haven't figured out why he does this, but it's cool that he does. <laughs> <You know? laughs> what I like, especially in this previous episode we filmed, is or recorded, my bad. We recorded filmed, today. Yeah, was the whole war aspect of his character. His, his PTSD. His PTSD, yeah. Which is really cool. I mean, it, it really brings more to the character in itself. It's not just some dude playing Scooby-Doo, you know? It's, it's a guy who... He's also, like, just trying to find his way back into the world and everything, and he's going from one battle to another battle, and he's just not seeing it that way yet. That's something that really drew me in into the series as, as um, Stanley started writing it, is Daniel is this super complex person who has goals in life, and, and through this, this tome, what he's doing without realizing it is he's, like, working through his own, like, emotional problems... <laughs> while fighting these really cool monsters and like we get to see his thoughts and feelings on a bunch of relationships and it's really cool in that Stanley doesn't explain everything all the things that Daniel feels Stanley knows inherently the things that that Daniel feels but Daniel doesn't quite understand how he feels about things it's not what he thinks about he doesn't think about his social and economic relationships he thinks about why are these monsters here and what are they doing? Um, so it's, it's just really cool to watch him just obliviously go through his regular everyday relationships and that to come to different conclusions that affect the way he handles monsters. I think that was really funny, especially, you know, him bringing like Rainy into the fold. Basically, like Rainy's just going on her rants, you know, like... Why aren't you seeing the world around you? And he's all like, shut up, Rainy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We're talking about ghosts here, Rainy. We're not talking about your drinking problem. <laughs> I love their relationship. And I think that's that's one of the most limiting things, like writing, actually sitting and writing these episodes. I know everybody's perspective. Like, I know Rainy's perspective and Daniel's perspective. But, like, I'm limited to telling that story from Daniel's perspective. Sure. So it's so difficult for me to, like... I gotta, I gotta pay attention to what Rainey's feeling about, but I can't explain what Rainey's feeling about in the story. I have to write what Daniel sees, and Daniel often doesn't notice or care. So I have to try to find ways for Daniel to mention things that I think are important. I have to find a way for Daniel to think that they're important, but they're not the same reasons I think they're important. And that's the same with everything I mentioned throughout every story. I really enjoy... Uh, Daniel and Rainey's relationship. It reminds me a lot of relationships within my own family. <laughs> this fact that they need ghosts. each other so much. And Rainey really is like the only thing that grounds Daniel in his world. And I, I think that's really cool. And she needs Daniel just as much as he needs him, but neither of them will admit it. They're both extremely independent people who are dependent on each other and it's just it's interesting i know the character really well i came up with rainy um and i'm i'm constantly talking to stanley about how rainy would interact with daniel in certain situations kind of have to have that outside perspective like it's not apparent in in the way daniel 
views her, but it's apparent by the conclusions of the things that she does what kind of person she is. Another thing I like about Rainy is, like, she's sort of this free spirit kind of character at the same time. Cassie did a really good job, and I tried to continue uh, what Cassie put out there with, like, that flapper mentality, this free-spirited woman of the 20s, and I think that Rainy encapsulates that really well. I think she does. She's not, like, the oblivious 1920s. She really pays attention to everything, but at the same time, I mean, if you were living in the 1920s, I would have a drink problem, too. I have a drinking problem now. <laughs> you know? Well, and it's even worse, because Prohibition. That's one of the main reasons Rainy has a drinking problem, is just Cassie and I wanted to pull in Prohibition. Yeah. she drinking antifreeze, or is she drinking... <laughs> no, she gets it from a speakeasy, and she still pulls her weight. <laughs> she does. That's never her goal, though, going on these investigations. Her goal is never to, like, go bust a monster no, or whatever. It seems like her... No, her goal is just chilling behind and, like, all right, well, we can make it look like we're doing this, but I don't want to go in that creepy building. And yet she still does every time. She always goes. She doesn't let Daniel do it alone. No. She, doesn't, she doesn't think he's smart enough to she's do like, it alone. She's like, I'll, I'll whip out my pistol. Let's go to town. <laughs> But another aspect I really like about Rainy is she's very much the skeptic. So this is this is a classic believer and skeptic relationship. Sure. So very much like uh, Mulder and Scully sort of situation uh, where she's obviously the skeptic. Daniel's like eager to believe everything. And no matter what evidence is presented to Rainy, she never really admits that there's something wrong. She's always like, oh, that's a... Weird-looking hobo, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's one of the most fun parts about her character. And I, I think that because she does that, that's a, that's just another facet of her relationship with Daniel, and that she doesn't believe it, so when it isn't actually supernatural, she is the one to bring it down and be like, no, look, here's the logical explanation. Or even when it is, like, extremely supernatural and like nothing is correct she's still like so do you want to go out for a drink now or what she's like man those were some weird drugs yeah. that was strange man, that we should go really get let himself paid. go yeah that's the kind of yes. stuff she does it's my favorite line that's... ever you so. think that's a hobo it was a nice moment of levity I think their relationship is what causes the comedic relief, though. Daniel's He's, got that fish-out-of-water vibe to him. <laughs> He's always a fish-out-of-water. And, in fact, in the next episode we're going to record, it shows how comfortable he is in scary situations versus, like, social situations. <laughs> yeah. It'd be really funny if later on he had, like, a war buddy tag along on one of these adventures. <laughs> he may. He may have... <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs> now people are gonna think we got the idea from you. No. Good, good. I hope you do. Oh no! <laughs> now we have to pay him. <laughs> Stanley and I know the end goal of this. We know what we want to do with the stories. That they're going a lot smoother than I expected. Through both the Birdman's performance and the writing, I'm continually impressed with the way Stanley writes things. It's like he has this inherent knowledge of how the world works. And, you know, just talking to him, you might never find that out. But if you, <laughs> but if you read it and, and you look at his content, 
you could see just how deeply he thinks about things, not just what it is in that moment, but what it means in that moment. Ugh. There's so many reasons I'm just so excited for all the episodes coming out, and I'm really excited for the feedback. I'm really excited for people to become as big of fans of this as I am, because if, if people are as big of fans as I am, then uh, we'll be millionaires tomorrow night. Um, that's all I have to say. So one of the things I really liked about this, I guess, iteration of Daniel Blake, because originally when we were doing the story, we were having like the police officer going over it, but with this new podcast format, like a meta podcast sort of thing format, one of the things we tried was that episode, the last episode we did with Red X. I thought that was super cool. What do you guys think about, you know, that more experimental, like, in-universe podcast, like, history sort of thing? Well, I thought it was great because, it, honestly, it's nothing that's been done before. I've never seen any other podcast like a meta interview. People that are listening to it aren't realizing that it's the Birdman and Red X, you know? It's Griff Garrison and Daryl Stack from Bayside Star, which really adds more to, like, what the interview is actually about. It makes you feel like you're inside Bleak Haven and mm -hmm. you're listening to it as if you were in, like, D.C. and you were in Gotham listening to a podcast from Gotham, like Jack Ryder going Yeah, off. It's an interesting way to kind of play around with the narrative to have this sort of meta framing device that you can use to not just solely track through the diary but to add just some additional facets to the world and then yeah kind of like what he was saying you can kind of imagine like driving around in your 98 chevy just going through bleak haven <laughs> listening to public radio and you know, at like twelve o'clock at night, and you're like, "What's this Griff Garrison guy doing?" Yeah, the, the weird, the weirdo podcast. Yeah, in the yeah. Night. Uh, it was a really fun episode to record and and to come up with. Alex helped me write that one because I was I was struggling coming up with what they were gonna talk about, but I think it went off really well. Red X did a really good job. Like I I knew he would because like that's what he's built his career off of yeah. <laughs> is doing that kind yeah. of stuff. Doing good, but, a good job. <clears throat> <laughs> Thanks for the input, so, man. So, I've never tried that. Is uh, that a good way to build a career? <laughs> you're doing a good job. Yeah, you were saying? <laughs> First of all, I'm I'm really grateful that he even came and did it, like got on the call with us and, and did that. That was pretty awesome. And he did some uh, uh, promoting on his channel for Bleak Haven. We sponsored one of his videos. That was fun. I was impressed with his ability to give Daryl a personality because Alex and I we're just kind of writing the bare minimum information like this is what you need to say and i'm like we'll kind of play it loose and you you can pull a personality out of your butt and <laughs> we'll see how it goes and he did a really good job because like i don't know you could feel that tension between daryl and griff that's one of my favorite parts about that episode that that might be one of my favorite episodes of all time because of how much tension there is. Daryl's like, no, you're dumb. He yeah. called you an idiot several times yeah. without saying you're Just, an idiot. Yeah, I loved it. Subtly being <laughs> condescending the whole time. And you know what's funny about it? Is that I didn't realize it until I went back and listened to it while I was at work. And then I listened to him just letting me have it. And that's when I, I messaged you when I was at work and I was all like, man, Daryl Steck's kind of a dick. <laughs> It's been difficult, but it's been fun at the same time because it's like it's a new thing that I'm learning. First time doing voice acting ever on anything, and 
I do mess up on the reading a lot. I, I commend you and I thank you for doing this because, like, as a first time for like a thing, this is like five different things in one. This is an audio book. You got to do voices and you got to play a character all on your own and you got to pull all of that together because this is something that I haven't really seen before. It's a new kind of it's an experimental thing we're playing around with. So. Sure. Every episode's been a change for me, and I I like that because I don't like doing the same thing twice you know i like to constantly change things up of course there's a lot of things that you want to keep in the podcast and everything to make it sound some of the same stuff consistency but but, you know changing it up really helps too and that's why i like doing like the additional voices and stuff in it i don't want each character to feel the same you know each character has their own their own takeaway of like interacting with daniel and brainy and like that's what I thoroughly enjoy doing. Plus, I like doing different voices. <laughs> the most challenging episode was Red X, like, for me. Mm-hmm. Because you guys did have a whole format for us to read through, but you're also like, I want you to improvise. It was a big experiment for yeah, us, because yeah. we're like, yeah. uh, it's semi-scripted, but improvise it. Go where your heart leads. Yeah. <laughs> you took it like a champ, man. <laughs> well, it was it was cool because like you had prompts, you had topics, but at the same point, you're like, I don't want Griff Garrison to be reading prompts. I want Griff Garrison to speak out of his own mind. And uh, I mean, Griff Garrison being a new character, I've really based him off of all of my podcasting experience. And I've just been doing that improv within that mm-hmm. was just really cool. I don't think most people ever get the chance to do that. I like being Griff Garrison. I wasn't there while it was recorded, but afterwards listening, like, you guys are so fluid. You worked off of each other so well. And I'm just honestly just continually impressed with you, with the way you're doing the podcast. Because there's a lot of things that we we don't ask you to do. Like, all of the voices and the uniqueness, like, I've personally given you an out, like, you don't have to, like, make each voice so unique. We understand there's going to be a lot of them. And you're just like, no, 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 I got this. And then you just impress me with what you come up with. And it takes you a second sometimes, but that second makes it so much better. Whereas I know a lot of people who would just go for it and not take the time and consideration that you do with each of the characters. It just makes it all the more real to me. I want to put that in everything I do. That's why I like doing voice acting. That's the fun of it all. I don't want to do the same thing twice. I want to do different things and different characters. And Who knows, one of these days I might have an iconic voice for some iconic character and (laughs) that would be awesome for me. But right now I like experimenting with different accents and different voices and I'm going to keep doing that. (laughs) Good. Good. (laughs) I think that that's another one of the reasons we got you to do it is because you're always trying to push yourself to do better and that's that's one of the big things at bleak haven that i am proud of us all for doing um that's something i think that is crucial for every member of the team to have so that's one of the big reasons you're still here so i think one of the reasons you're still here is uh because we know where you live <laughs> do you <laughs> the, really <laughs> the message on your wall in blood i feel like was uh very helpful in we keeping met- you on this team. Yeah, I know. I had to do a lot of repainting that day. And, you know, coming from a colorblind guy, like, painting isn't my greatest thing. I'm not... I've gotten fired 
for multiple maintenance jobs for that reason. Painting is horrible. I'm no Pablo Picasso. What can I say? I have a question for Cassie. How, how did you come up with raining? Oh, I picked out all the most ridiculous traits I could, and I threw them into a person, and it worked out. <laughs> that's that's exactly how that happened. Heck, she's into crystal magic, okay? She charges her crystals every full moon. <laughs> All right. For a person that's so skeptical right? of this stuff. Yeah. She doesn't believe in ghosts. She doesn't believe in monsters. She works at a speakeasy. She carries around brass knuckles because of all of the bar fights she's been in. Sweet. And she, like, she's in the 20s, and everybody in the 20s just completely like writes her off as just the secretary, right? Yeah. And then she pulls like ridiculous stunts. And she talks over Daniel all the time. She is there, and she is going to be important whether or not anybody else decides she's going to be. I have a question. If this was going to be a live-action film, who would you cast as Rainy and oh, Daniel? Oh, man. Oh, that's a good question. I, I have no hey, idea. What's our budget? You got full Disney money, but none okay. of the production. So, Personally, mine would uh, be like Daniel is Jeffrey Dean I think he would be a pretty good. I think the big thing with Daniel is I wanted a hero who wasn't a hero by any other terms than what he did. You know what I mean? Sure. So he doesn't look like a hero. I always picture him as kind of a short, kind of pudgy guy. Sure. With like a big mustache and he's balding. That's why he always has that hat that Donald wears. So you're um, talking <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman? Yeah. <laughs> that would be brilliant. <laughs> So like Danny not <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I started shooting. <laughs> I'm the trash man. <laughs> For Daniel, I wanted a hero that like wasn't conventionally attractive and wasn't immediately likable. I know there's a lot of heroes who aren't really likable immediately by other characters. Spider-Man, for example. Sure. Obviously, like nobody in universe likes Spider-Man. Um, and that's sort of the same thing with Daniel is like nobody really likes Daniel and that's something I wanted to cross and and I didn't want that to necessarily be Daniel's fault like he's a weird creepy dude but he's got a good heart and he always tries to do the right thing even though he like gets so obsessed and, and focused on something but like I said nobody likes him like the people he talks to don't really like him some people can warm up to him later on there's like a mafia stuff get involved and that was kind of teased in the in the last episode too there's some mafia involvement and stuff they call him creepy dan he's not a fan of that <laughs> like, but no i'm creepy dan <laughs> he's totally like the b-plot side character that, oh, cool. that, that we're writing like as the main character and we don't see him through the eyes of all the people around him like he he hints at the way people treat him but he has no idea either so like he could be, like, a well-spoken, charismatic dude in some episodes, and then you remember that he's completely socially inept, and Rainy reminds him frequently. Most of the stuff we write here is, like, superhero stuff, like classic, uh, well, I guess not classic, but, but general superhero, like, heroic deeds, stuff like that. And Daniel is a character that's, like, instrumental in that later. So a lot of the stuff going on in the Tome of Daniel Blake goes into effect in the main, like, superhero comics, like Welcome to Bleak Haven. There's stuff that Daniel does and deals with that pop up in those comic books a hundred years later. Sure. 
But I wanted Daniel to not have any superpowers, like, but he's constantly interacting with superpowered and supernatural beings. It's kind of like Alex Ross's Marvels. Sure. Where that's from the perspective of a normal journalist. Yeah. That's kind of what I wanted to do with Daniel Blake, even though this isn't a comic book, it's a, it's, you know, experimental podcast audiobook thing. But I wanted to take that normal person feel, even though Daniel's not normal, he's a weirdo, but he's throwing himself into the the supernatural world, the the scary things, the sure. unexplainable things. And I want Griff to kind of parallel Daniel as well as we move forward in that regard, in this world of, of heroes. I thought of what we could just call this, the metacast. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's that because that fits it perfectly. It is a meta. Cast. It's a meta cast. <laughs> Alex provides a lot of the consistency that we have. Like Stanley does a whole bunch of research to to keep it a certain way. But but if we ever have historical questions, like Alex is the man to talk to. Honestly, you provide so much. Even when you're not around, your influence is there, and we we think of like, oh, but Alex, Alex would know how to do this. <laughs> Yeah, and oftentimes I'll, I'll text Alex and make him help me <laughs> write things. And that's one of the hardest parts about the tome of Daniel Blake, and I'm sure I screw this up constantly, is keeping the the language modern enough so everybody can understand it. Because Daniel doesn't use a lot of slang anyway. But also throwing in terms and and uh, different phrases and sayings from the time period and like even from this time period and I'm like I have to look it up I throw in some you know idiom or something I have to go look it up did they use this in the 20s (laughs) sort of thing and that's been one of the most frustrating things but Cassie's right Alex understands history way better than most people I know and that's one of the reasons I'm so comfortable letting him write the Irwin comic book, which takes place during uh, like Cold War era type stuff, and a little bit before then, like I'm so comfortable letting him write that because he understands that time period better than anybody else I know. I can't think of any other person that we would trust to just be like, "Yeah, you can write this comic book. I trust that you'll do all your research and then it won't be stupid and ridiculous." <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Like there's the promises. <laughs> We put a lot of trust in you. You have this weight of the world real quick. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> what I found was easy today with our episode, recording this previous episode, was that I had three different people to bounce ideas off of. I had the writer. I had another writer. <laughs> Just I call me the wife. The, the wife. <laughs> that is my title officially. <laughs> And I, I accept don't know. it. Isn't the business well, card says? I feel like people yeah, are going to yeah. get mad at me. That's what the business card says. We, we did have one guy who was like, yeah, and you make all the decisions, right? And I'm like, no. I'm literally just the wife, and that's where I'm going to be. That's not true. You Haven wouldn't exist without you. But mm, Yeah, well, that's true. But everybody knows that's what a wife does. <laughs> Having all three of you guys just come in and give me all of your ideas especially with all the characters in this previous episode especially when it came to accents with you like we're all usually on the same wavelength but the best part about it is that like you guys provide each different wow how would that work how would this character work you know what would how, how would this voice work and like it's a nice discussion i've never heard of a cockney accent 
take a break from Daniel Blake. Um, you should talk about Sister City. No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. So that wraps up this episode. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's all I have to say. <laughs> coming soon. Trademark. No. Not coming soon. <laughs> My brain says it's not ready yet. I I have ADHD. I don't know. No. I've been thinking about Daniel Blake like pretty I consistently. Love, I love how absolute she's like no. <laughs> All right. What what more do you have to say about Daniel Blake then? Oh, I love it so much. It's a bit. It's a bit problematic. I'm a bit obsessed with with the story. Like out of all of the things we're doing, I'm working on Marks. I've been there for like all of the comic series, and there's a lot of backlogged comic series that are just waiting for art to come out, and. I've been working on um, Emberwood Sister City, which is our RPG, like, tabletop thing, which is a monster. The one thing that I know that I can work on and continuously enjoy is, is the Tome of Daniel Blake. That's the most fun for me, especially just because of, like, the stuff that's in between the lines. Like, I'm a very emotionally driven person in that that's the thing that I pay attention to the most is I, I pay attention to like how relationships work. This doesn't mean that I'm socially adept at, it, at any level. It just means that I, that's what I pay attention to. That's something that is in Daniel Blake so much is just the relationships. It's really cool. And then you get freaking awesome monsters mixed in with that. Yeah, we, have, we really haven't even talked about them. Like Zero, the, you know, or the consumer. The consumer. I want to tell you something <laughs> about Exero the consumer. Exero is Latin for consuming. Cassie tried really hard to get me to drop the consumer off of that, but I'm like, no, consumer it sounds cool. Consumer so it's yeah, consumer, yeah, it's the consumer. consumer the consumer. <laughs> it's Latin for consuming fire, specifically. Crazy. But in case you really wanted me to get rid of the the consumer off that, but I yeah, thought it sounded dumb. cool. <laughs> uh, Birdman thought it was cool. I thought it was cool. <laughs> nah, it's dumb. <laughs> the monsters are a lot of fun. Um, Alex, well, we all kind of come up with the monsters together. It's a hard thing when I start each episode because I'm like, all right, what's the monster? What is Daniel and Rainy gonna have to fight this time or face? or whatever, or interact with, because sometimes I can't fight it. Exeru the Consumer was a fun one. I'm not sure where the concept specifically came from, but Alex gave me the concept, and then I kind of put a fresh coat of paint on it. I mean, she, in my personal opinion, like, so far, she has been the most terrifying monster. We're, we're only a, a few episodes in, I mean, mm. look. Man, we're like on episode four now. One of the things I really liked about her specifically was that she was like she she captures some of that inevitable horror. She's she's always pursuing and like they don't know all the monsters we have are so I, I try to make them as unique as possible and push all the other writers to make them as unique as possible so that we have less of an understanding of them and can gain more of an understanding throughout the stories. And Daniel Blake specifically is the best place to kind of play with these monsters because Daniel and Rainey obviously, for the most part, always find a way out. But like in the last episode, there's always sometimes, there's sometimes a price that's really heavy to pay. And so I think that's one of the coolest part about Exero is she was a monster that's so inevitable 
and, and like unstoppable, you know, and the only way to stop her is to make a sacrifice. I don't know. I just thought that was a really cool concept. Well, what I like about it is that it's not each episode has a different it's different take, you know? It's not you're not listening to it expecting is this going to be a filler episode or is this going to be like some other episode? Y- you can go into each episode and they're all different, but they're all the same at the same time. Of course you're going to have Daniel and Rainy doing Daniel and Rainy shenanigans, but at the same time, each monster they fight or encounter is just different. You know, they have to, they really have to think of new ways to approach each situation. And I, that's what I liked so much about that episode was because the episode before that, you know, they basically like, oh, let's just get out of here. With the zero, they were like, oh, well, we can't really run away or, you know, things are going to get worse than they already are. Things are really bad. Yeah. <laughs> really, really bad. Things that, that escalated quickly. Yeah. We but, went yeah. from having a picnic in the park to hellfire from the skies. <laughs> I don't know if they were having a picnic at any point during Daniel Dogs strange. and cats living together. <laughs> <laughs> that brings up another fun. good point. I wanted to give it like a, that Ghostbusters feel. Yeah. Like 1920s Ghostbusters. The Bleak Haven oddity observation. <laughs> <laughs> it really does or though. Or boo. They're just rolling around in their Oldsmobile, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Shotguns Shot- in the bag. Shotguns. Drunk passenger at all times. Heck yeah. Of course, she's not the drunk driver, though, is she? <laughs> DD. Uh, yeah. yeah, when she tries to, it doesn't end well. <laughs> One of my other favorite parts about Daniel Blake is the fact that he tries to speak to most of these monsters. Yeah. And it usually doesn't end up well. <laughs> like, these are usually like. Uh, beings that don't care about humans. They don't sure. want care to interact with them Could a lot of the time. literally not care less. <laughs> or they can't speak to humans. And Daniel's always like, hello. <laughs> How was your childhood? <laughs> Tell me what's going on. He's like those freaking ghost adventure dudes <laughs> walking into like a supernatural event. Like He's all like, so you're the devil! <laughs> That's exactly what it is. He's like, okay, um, how's it going? <laughs> I, I, I see you're a shrieking ball of protoplasm. Is it hard to find pants? <laughs> <laughs> he understands the world as more than it seems. And like you said, every single monster they face is different. Yeah. So some of them talking will do good. The others, you just need your gun. And yeah. others, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> I'm just excited for the episode where Daniel and Rainey showed up, show up to an event armed to the teeth, while everybody else is just there casually. Um, oh yeah, that's all the context I'll give. But it's it's it's. Uh, this yeah. is just Daniel's like slow descent into becoming Blade. More <laughs> like Van Helsing. He's a parapsychologist. If Blade were a nerd, if Blade... <laughs> yeah, Daniel's like gigantic. If Blade were nerd. a balding nerd. <laughs> I look forward to more episodes. I'm really excited to keep writing it and coming up with more concepts because I think monsters are some of my favorite things to write. So this is a fun like monster of the week sort of deal, and that's that's how Alex actually pitched it to me as like a a fun 
monster of the week sort of thing, and then Cassie and I came up with Daniel and Rainey, and then we just started working on the story together. I think it's all coming together quite well. We're we're gonna go ahead and, and finish our suffering. <laughs> yes, Alex says we're gonna end all of our suffering and yours too. Honestly, I can I can speak on behalf of everybody here where I say go and listen to some Daniel Blake. It's well worth your time. Okay. We will see you guys on the next episode. This has been Welcome to Bleak Haven, and I'm the Birdman. Bye.